Welcome back to another episode of Stimulate Your Mind, proudly presented to you by LOF Productions. Welcome back to another episode of Stimulate Your Mind. Today I have with me Zubaydah Mubarak. How are you, Zubaydah? Alhamdulillah. How are you, Ali? Not too bad. Feeling very well. Oh, good. Good to hear. Long time. It's a good Sunday. It has been a long time. A very long time. Coronavirus doesn't help. No, no, not at all. So you've been, I'll call you a community ag- activist for a very long time now. Um, and it started very early and I've worked with you on many projects as well. Um, and I'm, I just want to understand how it was for you personally. What was it that made you come into the community fold and begin to work on the front lines and in the background as well? Oh, well, my story is a bit of a different one. I kind of like to say it was an accidental hero. Okay. I kind of, it chose me. I didn't choose it. Uh, a long time ago, don't want to give years away, so <laughs> keep them guessing how old we are. Eh? Um, my husband decided to make a jama'iyah in the Liverpool area because we didn't have anything for the kids. So he and uh, a friend, Kei they decided to make a community there. And it started then when they looked at me and said, well, you have to represent the women. And I'm like, what? I'm not getting up there and talking. <laughs> I said, yes, yes, you have to. We need someone. We have to a woman represent. And Ali, it started from there, really. Uh, I got up. I did a speech that day. And my, I remember it was one of the hardest things I had to do. Um, my leg did not stop shaking. <laughs> it was like, gosh, what am I doing here? And uh, subhanAllah, it, uh, it just took – it just started. Uh, we started. I met Aliman there, yep. and they asked me to be an MC for Ashura events. And through my journey, I started meeting people. I had a lot of more community connections throughout the years, but the main thing started um, around 2012 after I came back from Ziara. There was a lot more things happening, and um, how it actually started even bigger was when I met uh, the Amy group. Yep. They had started a homeless run. And I was at the mosque one day and they had a meeting after and I was just there. <laughs> and then I got to meet them and they uh, went with them to the homeless run, met beautiful, amazing young men and women who wanted to make a difference in this mm. community. And then I met you guys um, when we had a program. To, we joined groups and we created amazing events. Mm. Um, and I also was asked actually rerun that to before I met the Amy group and you guys. Mm. We had actually started our own little group in Liverpool called the Dark Kumail Girls yeah. because we also had nothing there. And I had taken a break from the community for a while. And so we started it. It started from five women gathering at my house and then 10 and then 15 and we just grew. And, and then we started, we actually got a centre because we outgrew my little room. Yeah. So it. Subhanallah, like if, I feel like it chose me. It wasn't something and that I had yeah. thought that's what I'm going to do. I actually thought when my kids grew up, I was going to uh, become a human rights uh, journalist. Yeah, yeah. I actually always thought of because um, there was a lot of you know injustices in the world, and I always wanted to tell the stories of those people. And Subhanallah, I guess um, I wasn't meant to go to that path yet. Like I said, this path chose yeah. me and it just took from one thing. I think it's because people said that I was easy to approach and so they'd come to me for things and I would never say no. Whenever someone some came with, to me with an idea, I thought, oh, yeah, that's a great idea. Let's do something. And it just grew and grew. And I'd met – and then going back to 2012, I'd met um, some people in London, in Ziara, but they were in, yep. from London, like Ali Fadl and Riza John Vadadi and Said Ahmad and the spiritual journeys group and then so after that they had done the cities of light um documentary yeah so then we brought them out here so and it just became like so i say dominoes yeah domino effect yeah yeah. so one thing led to another and subhanallah i just found myself like this is crazy how did this happen like from one group to another and it was just like i felt but i felt like they were my family at one stage like we'll still do but now with this corona crazy craziness we don't see each other like before but yeah i i felt at home i felt alive Ali. actually it felt like um it was just something that was meant to be i don't know how else to explain it fair enough yeah. so initially this uh 
this first group that you started with your husband. Mm. Um, was that the first time you ever spoke uh, public? Was that first public oh, yes. speaking time? Yes, first time. It was it was actually crazy. I didn't eat for one week. <laughs> it's a good way to to lose some weight, but I yeah, it was. It was the first time I spoke in public, and it was actually the first time I saw Sheikh Jihad, and he was sitting in front right there, at the, you know, at the um in the hall, and everyone else was behind him, and he just looked big to me. Everything <laughs> just looked, you know, and I was like so nervous. My heart was beating. My leg was shaking. I go, Yeah, Allah, please don't let anyone see my leg shaking. <laughs> You know, but I got through it. Mm. I don't. I, I think I did well. <laughs> you know, no one could see it, but yeah. inside, like I was, like my heart was pounding. It's actually hard to do public speaking. And yeah, definitely. Which is funny till this day, Ali. I even when I get up to do MC, I still have. Yeah, there's my, still nervousness there. Yeah. That never goes away. Yeah, you're 100%. just worried to say something wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah the of wrong course. Place. But yeah. Looking in hindsight, uh, would you say that that first opportunity was a blessing, or was it something that like? I didn't choose this. Why am I here? Oh, no, definitely a blessing. Definitely a blessing. Sometimes, look, sometimes it does get to you. Where it hurts is um, when you see the youth that come so happy, excited, they want to do something, they want to make a difference, and then they come into it Mm. not knowing what's going to happen, and then they see some ugliness, and that's where it pains me because I feel like I don't want them to get deterred by by what they see. And I've always warned them. I said, "Look, you're gonna come into here, into this. Mm. You're gonna see some ugliness. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But there's absolute beauty in it. Like I'll tell you, one day we did the Lady Zainab dinner, and it was one of a very busy event. We had so much people coming, and one person from the volunteers stuffed the seating up, mm. and I had to, you know, run around fixing it. And it was a really stressful night. After that night, one girl, I, I still don't know who she is. She just comes up to me. She goes, I just want to give you a hug. And she just embraced me, gave me a hug. Just down, and I just felt so amazing. Like with all the stress that happened, it just it all did, disappeared, disappeared yeah. with that. Just that girl, just that smile. It's all this that I can't even remember who she is. And, you know, Ali, like so many people. Yeah, you met a lot of and people. And you met a lot of amazing people. Look, you see, look, you'll see ugliness, but you don't come into it um, – See, people will come into it innocently because they want to make a difference. They love the religion because the religion is amazing. Religion. Definitely. It's beautiful, the Ahlul Bayt, their stories, amazing characters. Mm. And so you come into it thinking, you know, that's all you're going to see, but you don't. Yeah, you of know, course, there's, there's two sides to every story. And you've seen it, Ali yourself, you know Definitely. how it is. And when you're working with the different mentalities, different groups, different even uh, ideologies, yep. you know, even though we're all Muslims, but everyone has an ideology in a way mm. – um, they see that a program should be, um, let's say, the separation of women and mm. men or, you know, simple stuff yep. like that. One group might want want to do something one way, another has an idea. So it's about compromise. Yeah. And I never – look, people come and they might criticise you for something you do. But take it with a grain of salt. Yeah, of course. You know, like it's feedback okay. is always good. Yeah, and, and it's not always um, – it's good feedback is absolutely only makes you grow and, and you shouldn't um, get deterred from that. But it only hurts me that the youth that have so much, uh, you know, so much to give can get uh, deterred from that. And I always wish that they never do. Mm. You know, try to. Has that you know, ugliness ever deterred you or like <laughs> impacted you to the point where you're like, you know what, I'm done, I'm leaving? Um, no. So throughout no. this whole journey, no. it's always been like, start again. Yeah, start again. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Uh Look, I won't tell you I don't get upset. Mm. I'm not. I'm, I'm human. Yeah, no, of course. <laughs> yeah, I do. It does upset me. It does, but I never get deterred. Like to say that I never want to do this again. Uh, on the contrary, like um, I actually feel alive when I do see you guys. When I come to the community, and you know, some sisters come say, "How come you have so much energy? Where do you get it from?" I say, "I get it from you guys." Yeah. You know, when I see you come and everyone's happy and we're together and the brothers are in groups talking, sisters, people meeting. Um, we're growing like maybe one sentence that our event, mm. um, you know, changed someone's um, uh, thought, someone grew, someone changed uh, to get closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That, that in itself, every deteriorate, every like bad thing you go through, let's say, um, it makes it all worth yeah, it. Yeah, it's all worth it at the end. Like I'll tell you, um, we had the event in Bankstown once and um, – you know, you always cop criticism, whatever yeah, you course. do. 
And I, and I said to them, you know, that event, we had five girls embrace the hijab mm. and we had a, I had a sister that said she bought a ticket for her brother to come and he never used to pray. And she goes, after that event, her brother's never stopped praying mm. because of something the Sayyid said. Yeah, so those kind of things, I always, um, I always remember them and they're the ones that keep, those kind of memories keep me going. Mm. Like I always say, um, I'm not going to stop. Because I always believe Shaitan always tries to get involved. Yeah, you know? of course. As <laughs> he always just tries to see when there's good happening, where is this going to be? Except mm. Yeah, in, in the thick of it. Yeah, definitely. So with all these different people that you've met in the, in the Sydney community, um, working with different organizations, centers, has it given you a new perspective on the, on the type of people that we have here compared to, for example, the people that you met, for example, in Iraq, in Ziyara, or the people from London? Well, in Sydney, I got to know you guys a lot more. I got to know everybody a lot yeah. more. Um, I think I think we're all same. We're all the same. We're all uh, we're all are fighting the same battles. Let's say in the communities, when I talk to the people in London or in the ones in America, everyone has the similar issues in their community. Yeah. Um, yeah. So no, like I think Sydney people are great. And amazing. Although, you know, a few of them you, you, we can do without. Yeah, that's a very diplomatic way of looking at it. Um, okay. So in being this involved in the community, have you ever thought, okay, I just want to be part of the people that are in the crowd rather than the one running around? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes it's nice to go to an event and just sit down and relax and enjoy the event. Because obviously, you know, when you're on the front line, you have so much things to worry about. You know, we have, you know, audio issues, timing issues, you know, preparing food or whatever it is. There's always those It's issues. all the logistics, the yeah. The logistics of it is a nightmare some days and um, it can be very stressful. Um, but um, I have gone to an event and sat down and go, oh, God, alhamdulillah, it's good just to sit back and relax. But my problem is... If I do see something happening and like wrong or I could help out, I, you'll I, get up I get I'm itching because because as an organizer, you know what can go wrong. It's just instinct. Instinct yeah. will just get you. Like you feel okay. I don't want to be stepping on anyone's toes, but also, also like it's just human nature. If you want to help out, you yeah. just want to help out. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, that's. You mentioned that um, in a specific event that a lot of people embrace, for example, hijab or or the the commandment of prayer. Um, what has been your perspective on seeing people benefit from your programs or events or your work in the community? Oh, the benefits, alhamdulillah, like uh, the feedback has been uh, amazing. SubhanAllah, like I remember when Hassan Maki was here and he was speaking about love and so many people came to me after the event and said, wow, like that perspective, we've never heard it for a while and it really made us come back. And so – when you hear the feedback after an event, it really helps and you understand that, yes, alhamdulillah, we are, we are making progress, we are doing something, we are impacting people's lives. Mm. And you know from yourself, you might go to an event and you, you've got worries, you've got um, troubles, you've got something burdening you. And it could be, like I said, one line. Mm. It could change your mm. whole day, your that. whole perspective on things and it, it can help you uh, grow and change and have it let's say, enlighten you. Mm. Um, and so those kind of things have helped me continue and say, yes, alhamdulillah, this is a good road um, to, to keep on going. Yeah. Being a community servant and being well-known in the community for the work that you do, has it ever been difficult to work with certain groups um, or different community organizations that might have different ideologies, as you mentioned earlier, or maybe a different perspective on certain things. Has it ever been like difficult or has there ever been friction where you're like, I've tried, but I can't, like, I can't work with these people? Um, yeah, there has been friction, uh, come to think of it. Like I said to you, um, I've always had an idea of, like when we have an event and we have, and you know yourself, and the, our community, people want to marry, want people want to yeah, get yeah. to know each other. So I've found sometimes I've tried to make my events you know, people to be able to meet and mingle. And there is some people out there that are so against it. Mm. I understand we have laws to go by, absolutely. And I do not, I don't, uh, I do not diminish our Islamic, um, how shall I say these? Rulings. Rulings, I, I, absolutely. I would never go against that. But, you know, there's, 
Yeah. And I've spoken to a lot of sheikhs and so and they says there's nothing wrong with it. Mm. But then there's people that you have to put a sitar, mm. um, you can't have this, or women shouldn't be MCs. Mm. Um, so th- for me that's difficult because um, I, sa- I say to them, well, I have a lot of brothers and sisters that say, Haji, we want to get married. How, do we, how are we supposed to meet? So f- for me it becomes like, you know, these people are, are against our group, let's say, because we don't put a sitar, let's mm. say. Um, so sometimes it does frustrate me because, like, how, how do you compromise? Let's yeah, say you're how trying to facilitate, facilitate for something, but yeah. there's there's a blockage Block, in the way you yeah. can't you can't get through. You can't get through, and it's difficult because I'm seeing the bigger picture, mm. you know. And the people are complaining to me and asking me, like, you know, can you help out? I mean, I obviously don't know everybody personally. Yes, people know me, but I don't know everybody. Yeah, of course. You know, and so sometimes it makes it difficult. So obviously, it's good if people are able to see mm. each other in some. Obviously, with keeping in with the Islamic with the rulings, boundaries, with yeah. boundaries, definitely. You know, I'd never go against that. You know, I wouldn't want that on my shoulders mm. on the day of judgment. Yeah, of course. You know, but obviously, we do have to facilitate some way, and that's been a difficult thing. Mm. Um, even once we, when we brought Ali Fadal, oh, Haji Zubayr is bringing a singer here. I'm yep. like, seriously? Like, you know, those kind of things, people will come and say stuff and think, you're not a singer. Like, he's doing, you know, majelis or maulids for Ahl al Bayt. So, um, I've heard that one. Mm. Um, oh, gosh, you're making me think of so <laughs> many events and craziness. Wallah. Um, so there is that like backlash with uh, oh, with specific groups, certain people in the community. Yeah, I, I don't hear it. I didn't hear it a lot. Just those specific things. I think, I think. Uh, how can I say this, Ali? Without being, I think a lot of people respect me and respect what we've done and that. So I don't really hear too much, mm. unless you know it's behind my back. Yeah, a lot, Ali. But people, you know, who care about me and concerned, do come and say, "Look, Haji, maybe you know, if you do it this way or that way, I don't mind." I don't mind absolutely because we grow and I'm and I'm still learning myself. Yeah, of course. And like I said to you, it was something that chose me. I didn't choose. Yeah, yeah it, so you didn't, I didn't choose to be in that position. No. <laughs> and a lot of people say, "Oh, you know, when's your next event?" I'm thinking, "Well, I'm not an event planner. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't something I, I signed up for." But mm. Ali, like it just, like I said, it was. It became a dominoes effect from one thing to another to another. Yeah, yeah. So you mentioned earlier that there was an issue with like women emceeing and things like that. Have you ever found it very difficult for a woman to be on the front lines in community work and for women in general in the community to be to be very involved in programs and events? Look, do you want me to be blunt? Please. Okay, I found that the sad thing about it is if there is a woman speaker, we don't have a lot of women and men turning up. Mm. That is very sad. Um, to be on the front line as an MC, you know, Ali Man has um, done an amazing job in that sense. And, and over the years, they've actually said women are MC because the men are already the speakers, the men are doing the Quran and um, and the Latmiyat. Mm. Why shouldn't a woman have a position up there? Yep. So, alhamdulillah, they've broken that um, boundary and they've continued with the women always being at the MC, which is you know, great to see. And they're out there also, you know, in the seating, organizing, we're at the front desk. Um, but the, the sad part is that when you do bring an uh, all women speaker, you don't have a lot of people turning up. Which is so that's thing. that's with people actually being uh, the speakers in the events. Uh, what about um, so women or females in general being involved in these programs or having their ideas actioned and being actually like the ones that facilitate and run events as 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 a community? Yeah. Happens if women want to come, no one's ever stopped them. I haven't personally seen that um, that women are stopped. So, do you think that has uh, sort of bridged the divide between the the male-dominated cultural community, let's say, um, and then the females on the other side? Has that bridged the gap, for example, just in community work? Yeah, it does. Yeah. Um, look, th- we do have a way to go. Obviously, um, I th- I don't think this is my field to go on, but Women's rights in Islam. Yeah, that hasn't been. Um, is that because of a cultural impact yes. or a religious impact? No, it's cultural. Because the religions already, uh, you know, already given our rights. Mm. Fourteen hundred years ago, we got our rights, mm. but unfortunately, culture hasn't. And it's t- going to take a lot, a bit, uh, many generations to eventually change that. And Alhamdulillah, I see it with this generation that, have, like, it's changing. But like. 
it is changing, but unfortunately, I still I don't know if I'm going to be living in the West. I think men, like women, have also. Just be honest about it. Look, I. How can I say? Yes, culture has not uh, needed to change mm. for women's rights, but in saying that, we're mixing Western culture. And we're mixing the Eastern culture. And sometimes we try to fight for our women's rights. Sometimes we're forgetting Islam Islam. Yep. in the meantime. And sometimes women are pushing that boundary. And I think that's a problem. Okay. So yeah, it's both, both ends, both yep. ends, you know. Sometimes we want to push it too much that we can do what we want to do and, mm. you know, God can only judge me. Yeah, of course God can only judge you, but we have etiquettes and we have… Um, there's morals, there's morals ways of doing things, there's to, rulings. Yeah, yeah, there's rulings, you know. And just because you want to fight for your right, yeah, fight for your right, Habibti, but there is a way to fight for Definitely. your right. Definitely. Yeah, the men, obviously it's a male-dominated culture still. Mm. Yeah. yeah, 100%, that's no secret. No secret, it's out there, we know it. But… um. When you're fighting for your rights, know that there's protocols, know there's morals, know there's khalat. You know, especially now with um, the, the social media mm. craze, you know, the things that the girls are posting, mm. it's really sad to be honest because, <sighs> look, I don't, I don't believe in – I judge anyone. I don't judge anyone. Mm. But if you want to do haram, don't post it. Yeah, don't make it public. I'll tell you why, Ali. And I've had these conversations many times. The problem is when you h- highlight your haram, mm. you normalize you it. You normalize it. Mm. And that's the problem we're having, you know. See, the, the problem is when you talk, someone from your family could do something wrong, and then they go, huh, there, she yeah, spoke yeah. about that. Do you get what I mean? This, this is where the, it's a fine line when you want to speak publicly about something, yeah. and you still have family members that might not. Agree with agree you. Agree with you, or or do, or they might post something, mm. and then, huh? You know what I mean? So that's why I I steer away from making an open opinion about that yeah. stuff. But generally saying, when you want to do haram, girls and boys, not just sisters. Yeah, no, of course. Both brothers and sisters, you know, and especially like brothers will go on media and telling, oh, look how you wear your hijab, sister. Look, Habibi, you're putting photos of yourself, you know, shirtless, shirtless on the beach, and you know, posting out. Come on. Like, don't have double standards. Mm. When it comes to her, you know, to the sisters, you want to have double standards. That's, you know, that's a problem. And that's, mm. like I say, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, what does he say to you? He mm. says, if you commit a sin at night, mm. don't go up in the morning and announce it. Yeah. Because I let the night cover it. Yep. Why does Allah say that? Because when you commit a sin publicly, you're encouraging other people. Yep. When he says commit a sin, but cover it, like I'm covering it up. Because mm. again, you're not making it socially acceptable. Definitely. So that's where, I, that's where, like, uh, it really saddens me that a lot of the sisters and brothers openly go, yeah, happy, but do what you want privately. Mm. That's your business, not mine. We all, we all have, we all do haram. Mm. We're, all tr- we're all struggling. We're all on the road to trying to perfect ourselves. Yep. And it is a struggle. And we all fall. Mm. Definitely. So it's none of our like it's not for us to highlight anyone's shortcomings, you know. It's it's us to pick them up. Definitely, and we all need to be picked up, so we don't sit there and bag each other out. If I can help you, you can help me. That's what a community is about. Salat Juma is what for, so we can get together. And if someone has an issue, we can help each yep, other out. Definitely, correct. Definitely, Allah has made many um, beautiful beautiful things in our religion, yeah. and He's given us guidelines. And for me, because I love, see, you asked me the question, did um, did anything deter me in that? See, I was lucky enough to love Islam before I met Muslims. <laughs> you know, Allah, because people ask me, I like, understand why are you that, still yeah, here? Yeah. Because when my dad got into the religion, alhamdulillah, like, there wasn't anyone here. Mm. So he taught us that. Um, he taught us, I sound so Aussie, don't I? <laughs> <laughs> he, he, we learned the religion at a time when not much people were practicing it. Mm. So the, like, I fell in love with it when, when he started to tell us, you know, this is our religion and, and we started like learning it. And, and as I grew more and more and more deeper into the religion and understanding the Ahlul Bayt and the laws of Allah, why we shouldn't do certain things, 
you just fall in love with it. Yeah. yeah. And so when I did see people do wrong, it didn't bother me because I said that's not Islam. Yeah. So you, you already that's, had your, your idea and you've already formulated your idea of Islam. So when you see someone go and get that, it's like, okay. It, it didn't turn me and it didn't say that's Islam's fault. And a lot of women's rights are taken away, but it's not Islam yeah. because they're clear in the Quran, in the Hadith, they're there. Yeah. But it's the sheikhs, scholars, sorry, the lovely sheikhs that I know that are good out there, but it is. It, yeah, no, definitely. There are a lot of community leaders that, that um, basically push for this and maybe knowingly or unknowingly, but they push for a more patriarchal community. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very, so yeah. being um, very involved in the community as a woman yourself, have you found that these uh, these pushes for, for women's rights culturally um, and going too far, as you mentioned, have you found that those have like slowed down your progress in, in building a, a stronger female community? To be honest, I, I can't really give a, an answer on that as because I've been out for a while from the work mm. um, before Corona as well. So I don't really know what's happening now out there. So they could be slowing it because there could be people that like want to – they want to progress, but then they see these people that are going, that are deterring from the road of Islam. Let's mm. say the right road, and then they say they want to, don't want to be involved in yeah. that. Maybe. So now the the there's a clear issue that's been identified between um, a more male dominated culture and community, um, because our community is made up of a lot of different cultures. Um, yeah. You've got the Iraqis, the Lebanese, the Iranians, the Afghans, the Pakistanis. Everyone's there. Everyone's there. It's a very big and very multicultural community. Yeah, it is. And most of those cultures are very male-dominated. Mm-hmm. So this and, – and in, in this sort of community work, we both say that most events are male-dominated. Um, and females don't really have a stage or, or a platform to advocate for themselves and – that uh, that's because that goes again back to the men, and I'm not I'm not male bashing. Um, I'm just just saying as it is. I'm looking at it, it from from uh, the perspective of someone who's been very involved in the community um, and worked with you as well. But we usually find that when it comes to attendance in events, the female numbers heavily outnumber the, the the males. So why is it that there's this still very 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 strong divide between the males and the females? When it comes to community work and service of the community, because if you if you go to any organization or, or community group, you'd find that the numbers in there are like let's say ten men and three women, for example, and those mm-hmm. three men women would most likely be the wives of a few of those men, rather than other females from the community working there. So, why is this divide so strong, and why is this there? Why is there such a massive cultural impact from? an Eastern culture in a Western society? Oh, that would probably take days to answer. Um, see, for me, I, I never felt that because we ran our our, yeah, yeah. our groups because pretty much me and Haji Sana were the ones. Yeah, know, definitely. And the we were, we were doing the dark mail and we were organizing it. So we never felt that. But definitely there is maybe because also the women's responsibilities she's got more on her hands at home and if she takes on more maybe she she can't because you know she has her children she's bringing them up she's studying she's working and that could be the case all the other cases that some men don't let their wives Mm. go out and and pursue community work because i mean i know from like even Hajali, my husband, he himself uh, feels like even after he did open up the liverpool islamic association he saw a lot of ugliness and he walked away from it and he didn't want me to continue because he saw that there was ugliness. So maybe there is men that are worried about their women protecting them, mm. obviously because, uh, see, women tend to think with their hearts. Mm. We don't, we're not, that's why we can't be judges because we literally do. We think <laughs> yeah, with our hearts no, no, more definitely. than our brains, right? So maybe that could be one case. Another is just that they feel like a woman shouldn't be there. That could be another. I mean, again, we're talking about male-dominated, you know, um, system here where they're still not changing from their culture, saying no, 
even if we're in Australia, it's wrong. A woman shouldn't be in the front line. A woman shouldn't uh, voice shouldn't be heard. Mm. We're still facing that. Yeah, you know, we know that in many communities. But in saying that, well, I met the most amazing communities, the Koja communities. Um, they have beautiful people, with, and their women are by them their sides mm. as well. Yeah, you know, yeah. the women are there. You know, they might not be at the front line. They might not be the MCs, and they might not be. But they're they're, they're working. They're doing the they're hard doing work. The hard yeah. work. I mean, maybe that's why some people don't want to be in the front line come mm. and we don't see it. But there is a few different factors. It could be either or, mm. you know. And, and I, I think um, also, you know, this whole brother-sister separation. Yeah. You know, sometimes some sisters will get shy. They don't want to come and talk to the brothers because, you know, obviously usually when they're not married or anything, they don't want to be seen as yep. talking to brothers Definitely. That, that are not mahram, let's say. Um, so, Kamen, that's... Could be another deterrent why not more females are out there as well. And again, Ali, like I said, the problem is when a woman does do something, the men don't participate. Yeah, they? that's right. Well, I, I've that's seen right. it. You know, I remember uh, Sister Inlo's, um, uh, Amina, Amina, yeah. Amina Inlo's came. Well, you could count on your hands how many people. Mm. And she had the beautiful things to say. Mm. We've had a sister come out and like, uh, years ago, Aliman brought her out as well. Mm. So th- the problem is, yeah, we don't have enough female speaker representatives. Absolutely, mm. that we are really, you know, um, there's a shortage. Shortage, yeah, yeah. And I don't think we're encouraged either. We don't really have that much encouragement. Mm. I don't. I don't know why. I I personally don't know why. Um, but yeah, I, I see that we don't have. So aside from the. The cultural aspect things. On a more personal level, have you found that working in a community that's so multicultural and different ideologies and like there's a lot of things going on um, in this community and it's it's there for everyone to see mm. um, other than the, the background stuff that only the workers, all the volunteers see. And by the way, we don't think, get paid a cent, by yeah, the way. <laughs> and I think, I think those things should stay in the background and yeah. should never be announced. Um, yeah, definitely. Because at the end of the day, your work is to bring the community together, not to, to make it fall apart again. Um, but have you found that all these different things have been mentally debilitating for you? Uh, it's funny you should say that. Um, it, yeah. Mentally, yes. Mm. It, it puts – there's a lot of stress on you because you're trying to keep the community together. Mm. And then you'll hear – you know, one person complaining from here, another group here, and another group here. And you sit there and say, how do I stop this divide? Mm. And voila, it's actually heartbreaking. Mm. As a person who's, who does not like to see division in a community, I don't like to see division in a family, let mm. alone a community. And it, it, it saddens me. And I, like, I try to play, like downplay like any problem. And I will never like go to that person to that group and say, oh, there's this problem and mm. I have with you. And I, I try to fix it quietly, um, but it is, it is tiring because you're dealing with different people and different mentalities and, yep. and again, ideologies, you know, and, and it, it is difficult. It is difficult. I actually did take a break um, after we had the big event in Ramadan when we did the, um, um, the Ramadan Iftar dinner yep. and we were raising orphans, uh, raising orphans. <laughs> Yeah, after we had the the major event for the Zara Trust and we raised over $130,000 for the orphans in Iraq and overseas, I I needed to take a break, to be honest. It was um, an event that took a lot out of me and I gave up my all. Mm. I literally gave up my all and I said, you know what, I just want to go after this and have a rest. They'd asked me to to do an event here Mm. and, again, can't say no. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it was stressful because there was a lot of stuff that happened in the background. Like no one knows. Yeah, yeah, no one knows what, what happens in the background. And uh, when you do tell people, they're like, they're shocked. Like seriously, you had to go through that? And mm. I'm saying, yeah, that's only half the story. Yeah, you, you know nothing. <laughs> you know nothing. And everyone thinks, you know, they come to an event, they see everything there, and I think it's just, it snapped yeah. your fingers and it's everything came there, to play. Yeah. yeah. Like could you imagine having – over 900 people come in and you're worried if the speaker, the main speaker is going to come out of the airport. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, 
<laughs> like no one understands. That's just a bit stressful, yeah. <laughs> just, a, just a tad. And you pull from your own money in case because mm. <laughs> like I could go on with the stories. I don't think I want to bore your audience, but that, that'd actually be a surprise. But um, mm. yeah, it's not easy at mm. all, at all. But it's rewarding. It's rewarding. Why? Because you're bringing people together. You're bringing a community together. And even the volunteers, like they're so excited to help out. You know, the, the, the smallest things that, that gets them excited, it's so beautiful to yeah. see. And again, that's what I get my energy from. Mm. It's, it's you guys. It's when you come and you're, you're happy and, hey, Haji, how are you going? And what's happening? And everyone's just talking to each other. And just that makes me happy. Mm. You know, that in itself, I enjoy that. Even with all the stresses yeah, yeah. and the sleepless nights and the, the phone calls that you get left, right and center, you know, and people who want to sit next to each other and people who cancel and come and I need this. Like, I mean, my son's just sitting over here and, you know, nodding his head and I'm sure he knows that, you know, he has to um, share mum with a lot of people some of the times when he was younger. Um, it's, it's, it's not easy. Mm. It's not easy. But, again, look, Ali, when we came, we came as, my parents came as migrants mm. and we went through a lot of tough times. Any kid of a migrant, first generation as well, my parents were. So, obviously, we went through a lot of tough times. We went through um, our parents not understanding us. There was mm. the, the language factor. Mm. Like I came when I was one. Yeah. So obviously my Arabic was hopeless. Yeah, and you English. picked up the English very English quickly. English was, yeah, I went to school here, educated here. So I'm trying to understand my mom. I'm trying to understand myself as a teenager growing up. And it was so difficult because you had an Anglo-Saxon. We lived in an Anglo-Saxon area. There mm. wasn't much migrants at the time my parents came. Uh, I was the first hijabi in the school. <laughs> like, do you know, the first time ever yeah. a girl wore hijab in that school. And I'm sure there's sisters out there who will be listening to this that also um, went through what I went through. It was very difficult. You were trying to become your, your own self. You were trying to get an education. You were trying to understand your parents. You were trying to understand your siblings. It was very difficult. And because of what I went through, Going through the racism, mm. obviously, trying to find, like, trying my, to get my mum to understand me and understand her. Mm. Trying to, I, I learn a new religion because yes, we were born Muslim, but we weren't practicing. Mm. So many people at that time that come out from the Middle East weren't practicing. No, that's right. Yeah. So it wasn't until the revolution that people started to go back to the religion. Mm. So could you imagine having to go through all those things, right? Mm. And and I think that what I went through, you know, gave me that empathy to other people. It prepared you. It prepared me for what the path mm. chose for me again, yeah. not what I chose for myself. Mm. Because I never wanted to see any young girl or boy feel left out. Mm. I never wanted them to feel that um, lost. Who who were they? Because. As you know, you know, as a youth, when you're growing up, you're trying to find yourself. Who are you? Yeah, of course. And you, you're in a country. You're trying to belong to something. Something, yeah. right? And you're in a country where it says you got to act this way, and then you go home, and your mum, your says, culture, saying your culture, saying another, and mum and dad are still stuck back in in the village, right? Yeah. Because mum was brought up in a village, right? And you know, you can't go out. You can't. Like I lived in Villawood, but I had to go to Auburn Girls to get an education because forget it. Uh, when I went to Basil High, the first hijabi. It was a nightmare. Mm. That's another story. But no, you can't go to Auburn on a Saturday for your friend's birthday. What if someone saw you then? Mum, I go to Auburn Girls. Like, <laughs> it's okay. No, you can't. So there was a lot of cultural things still. in like that Cultural time. barriers. Oh, yeah. yeah. And so I think that prepared me for to be able to speak to a lot of the girls now. Mm. Um, once this lady brought her daughter over, I remember, and, you know, she just, could you just speak to her? I don't know what's wrong with her. I just, you know, sat her down and just had a you know, nice, quiet conversation with her. And I knew exactly what her problem was. Mm. She wanted to be heard. She wanted to be seen by her mum, but her mum didn't understand her. Mm. I, I knew what her problem was. And I said, one, two, three. She goes, yeah, that's it. <laughs> you know? So I think, you know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala puts you in a, in a situation because he knows what… He's preparing, preparing you, you for the future. For the future. Yeah. I don't think if I hadn't gone through that, if I had an easy childhood and if, you know, everything was laid out on a, on a silver 
that are, mm. you know, I wouldn't be who I am. Mm. You know, I, I wouldn't have that empathy. And then even like I don't like to see anybody sitting in a corner not be not having friends. You know, even in our like I remember in Dark Kumail, uh, a brother, a new brother came to our event. And I just smiled at him. I said, Salam alaikum, welcome, what's your name? Nice to see you, first time. And I introduced him to the to the brothers there. I didn't think anything of it because just that's my nature. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I remember many years ago he wrote something, like someone had said something on my Facebook page, and then um he said I remember Hajiz did the first time. I saw it like an angel. Mm. Wow. I didn't realize the impact I had because he just sat there and no one was communicating with him. And then that, like, I said, subhanAllah, like, I don't notice those small things. Yeah. But when people highlight them. They always give them back. Yeah. Yeah. It was, yeah. So alhamdulillah, like, again, it takes me back to the childhood why um, I went through all that I went through. I wouldn't take it back now. If you say to me, do you want to go back and change this? Mm. No. I won't change, even though it was maybe the hardest time of my life. You know, I remember um, I'd go home crying every day in year seven because mm. um, the first hijabi I was, there was ten, um, <laughs> we used to use the word wogs. Yeah. <laughs> so, I don't know. So the first, my, there was we were about ten migrants, mm. like dark kids, let's say. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know, is that all right? To yeah, say? yeah. <laughs> So there was literally 10 of us, really, and everyone else was Anglo-Saxon, Australian. Mm. So we, you know, shined out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you were and it was stuck really, out like a sore thumb. Oh, yeah. sore thumb or what? You tell them now, Basil, oh, really? Really? How did you? Oh, wallah, wallah, it was. <laughs> I, I literally had to change schools and um, I went to Auburn Girls after Alhamdulillah because there was a lot more migrants mm. there or, you know, children of migrants, let's say. Uh, but yeah, that, that whole year, I literally spent every day crying because I was in the, only in year seven. And Ali, you know what? Till this day, I don't know why I put the hijab on. I could have taken off. No one was wearing it. Yeah. You know, dad said, this is our religion and part of it is that you wear hijab. And I said, yeah, I'll yeah, embrace right. it. I'll do it. <laughs> no one was wearing it. And like even till this day, I go, like, what was that? I wouldn't have known as an 11-year-old or a 12-year-old, you know, that what – fully fully it is but mm. yeah obviously Allah tells you to wear it when you're younger why because it just becomes part of you when yeah. you get older and it's not harder to wear that's right when you're older correct yeah and I remember even my maths teacher he was a redneck I would put my hand up to ask a question and he'd just turn around and ignore me mm. totally ignore me I didn't have a voice and like you're sitting there and say what do you say what do you do but now, man, I would never, if I saw anyone getting um, bullied or mm. abused, forget it. Mm. I would, I'm the sweetest person, but, man, if you bully anyone, you're, you're going to say the first one there. You're the yeah. first one there. You know, like, I don't care who you are. You don't bully anyone. Because, uh, see, when you, you – when as a child, I didn't have a voice. Mm. So I wanted to become the voice for the voiceless. Yeah. Say. You know, obviously when you're young, you're, you're not who you are when yeah, you get definitely. older. Yeah, definitely. Yeah? You're still trying to find yourself. And year seven, come on. Like, yeah. we're, and we were a little short. I was short. I was tiny. But alhamdulillah, look, where I remember my, my brother's friend, uh, they were our family friends. Mm. They were Turkish. And he was in like uh, year 10 and I was in year seven. So he said to me, you sit with me. Anyone says anything to you? So me and my friend, Zakalina, we used to sit with him. And he goes, anyone say anything to you? But lunch and recess, I was fine. Yeah. <laughs> but, but in class, but in it was classes, different. Yeah. Oh, my God. Going from, from class to class, they'd come and pull my hijab down and hit me at the back and call mm. me. I used to get people bowed down to me, Khomeini and Gandhi. Oh, yeah. God. <laughs> yeah, we, I, yeah, I could tell you stories of that time. But look, again, preparation. Yeah, you yeah. Know, I, even going back to, I remember I laugh at it now. Mm. Obviously, it was hard back then. Yeah, of course. But um, you laugh at it now, and Alhamdulillah, like it did prepare you um, for what's to come. And I understand, like I know a lot of sisters struggle with the hijab and struggle with, and brothers struggle with, let's say, you know, other aspects of Islam. It is a struggle, but honestly, in saying that, what we have today is far, far better than what we had before. Yeah. There wasn't there wasn't anywhere where you could go, no 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 um, no jama. Mm. The jama was getting built at the time. Jama Zahra. We had we didn't have um, much support, let's say. Nor did we have a place to go and advocate for us. No. <laughs> you know, like now, forget it. Anyone, any, any racism, any abuse. It's straight away someone. You can take on a court, man. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we didn't have that before. 
you know, we just had ourselves and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Obviously, we still have Allah now, but mm. I mean, there's so much more uh, services out there, more support. Um, and even just lectures in the English language. Like, <laughs> there was, was non-existent before. A few books were like a little booklet. Mm. Am I giving away my age at this time? I'm still 29, <laughs> right? <laughs> Yeah, so it was it was so different. It was mm. so different growing up and um, in those times. But again, seems like the struggle uh, basically molded the person you are today uh, yeah. as a community worker. Yeah, it did. It did um, definitely molded and uh, gave me a bit of a <laughs> a voice and um, again empathy, love, and even like growing up here. Even saying that the like, even though we felt racism or anything, but alhamdulillah, what I love about my family, my mum and dad, and that we never had racism, mm. and I never saw cultures. I didn't see people as what country they were from yeah. or what religion. I didn't see Muslim, Christian, Jew, you know, Hindu. Mm. We just saw human. Yeah, just a person. Just a person. <laughs> And I really am very grateful for for that kind of upbringing, you know, alhamdulillah. So, like I said, uh, a voice for anybody. I don't care what your religion, what your race is. Mm. I think, again, Imam Ali, everyone knows this saying. Mm. He says there are only two types of people Mm. in the world. He's either your brother in faith faith or… Your equal in humanity. So, if we go by that, what a wonderful world it would be. Yeah, definitely. But that's… That's a far <laughs> cry from the world that we live in it today. It is. It is a far cry. But yeah. you know what? Again, if if you, me, Muhammad, and the community, if each one of us made a difference to one human being, mm. what a beautiful world! Everyone does their be. bit. Yeah. You know, everyone says, "Oh, it's too much," but it's not because mm. Allah says in the Quran, "If you kill one person, mm. you've killed all of humanity, mm. and if you save one person, it's like you've saved all of humanity, humanity as well." Yeah. So you know, everyone seems to. Think you know everything's hard and every, mm. but Allah's it's not it's mm. not hard at all. Like even the simplest things, if you drink water mm. and you say, oh, "I'm drinking this to gain strength to worship you, Allah," mm. that's ajr in itself. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, you know, everyone seems to think it's it's the quantity or something, mm. but it's just the quality. It's the so quality. quality and something. But with the simple, smallest thing, yeah, simple. So, a smallest thing can get you into heaven. Yeah, of course, it's much easier to get into heaven than it is to get into hell. So. I to do a hard job to get into hell yeah, exactly. <laughs> with Allah's mercy like he says he's got 99 uh, of his names uh, um, he's reserved them for the day of judgment mm. of his mercy mm. like subhanallah like, mm. there's a lot that we don't uh, comprehend and a lot we don't uh, focus on no we, we focus on the bad and, and that's the problem when you keep focusing on the bad how, how are you supposed to grow everything and, becomes and, negative the whole your whole viewpoint is negative. You become very narrow minded. And of who course. does that? Mm. Shaitan. Mm. Definitely. It's what he wants because he's upset with us. Yeah. <laughs> we, you know, obviously he wants to take us with him to hell. Mm. So yeah, look, it's a, it's a struggle, but Allah's there for you and with you, and He's never left you. Mm. You know, look, and you know what, Ali, that I found the amount of people that don't understand, that don't um, comprehend the mercy of Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. I think it's very hard to comprehend because it's it's because all it's encompassing, human, yeah. It's not a human. It's human. way beyond us, yeah. Yeah, but if we take the traits of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, mm. you know, just look at them at face value at the very least. Yeah, yeah. At the very least. Yeah. And I think when I when people say to me, "Oh, will Allah forgive you?" The Quran starts every chapter except one with Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Mm. You know, He's the most. He's waiting. He look for every chance to to to. Mm. To forgive you and give you hope, That's and right. you know, it's it's Shaitan the one that gives you the, the despair, despair and oh yeah, you know, and we just came into Eid al-Adha, mm. and you can't leave Hajj, you know, it's haram to leave Hajj believing, you know, that you weren't forgiven. That's right. That's the biggest thing. Yeah, <laughs> like that, you know. That's despair in, in the mercy of God. How yeah. beautiful is that? That you cannot leave without, you know, you're fully clean. That as mm. the day you were born, mm. like he. Like subhanAllah, I don't know. I, I I mean I sound like I'm going on a spiritual um <laughs> journey at the moment. But I think Ali look something also was strong for me is when I read a read a line once um in a book that said I was I, I was really upset at that time at something. Mm-hmm. Someone had hurt me. And then it was talking about the day of judgment where you're gonna stand in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and everything you did was gonna be you're beginning accountable for mm-hmm. it and it's gonna go through. And I thought, you know what? 
it really doesn't matter. Mm. It doesn't matter what what happened now because we all are going to the Akhra. Yeah, there's a final day where everything's going to be sorted out. And it doesn't really matter. Mm. Does it really matter? It's not going to help me on that day, is it? So then after that, that stayed really, that was um, a turning point for me really. Uh, with anything, I always use that when I'm really feeling upset. Look, I'm human. Yeah, of course. <laughs> you know, obviously, you see me, and everyone says you're bright and happy, Hajj, but I do. I go through difficult times. No, definitely, definitely. It's not easy. Life is not easy. You know, I have a family. I have, you know, I have many personal things, and and obviously, you know, life is not without its challenges. But that, always, oh, whenever I go back to it, it really helps me. Mm. Yeah, Akhira, yeah. yeah, I remember that book and Karim um, al I think it was the book. Um, yeah, and in that line, and I swear that was the turning point for me. Mm. And that really helps me, and I hope it helps the viewers. Um, you know, think, just think about that. Think about this world is is not for us, and it's not our eternal abode. There is a much better world waiting mm. for us. And, Definitely. And I think if we take on that that mentality, it becomes at least a, a little bit easier. It helps, obviously, mm. it helps because. Look, when someone in, does injustice on you and you can't get your heart back, mm. what do you think? What what helps you? Obviously knowing that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saw it mm. and karma. And he's the final judge. Final judge. Mm. And he will get them, whatever mm. happens. Even if you can't, he will. Mm. There's no, they, where are they going to hide? So when we have that, I feel that helps us grow, you know, like having that, knowing that Allah's got your back, Allah's got it, it doesn't matter. Look, it's not easy. I'm not going to say it to you. No, it's, of course. It takes, takes takes a while. Time, yeah. yeah. But obviously so you don't go into that full despair of, um, you know, who's going to get my, who's going to, you know, where's the justice? Mm. Where's it? And a lot of people cry out for justice. Yeah, definitely. Thank you very much for your time. My pleasure. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Stimulate Your Mind is proudly presented to you by LOF Productions. For more of our podcasts where we try to cover all the interesting topics happening all over the globe and also the personal stories of people right here in our own backyard. Subscribe to Stimulate Your Mind on Apple or Google Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcast. See you guys in a little while.